and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, presented by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Nice Jewish Fangirls is a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the geeky, nerdy, wonderful things that we are obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, S.M. Rosenberg. Hello. And Tamar Herman. Hi. So we are getting back on the podcasting horse. We all had a bunch of stuff going on, uh, and uh, let's face it, January sucked a little bit. (laughs) Um, at least it did for me. Remember January? January is gone. It it felt like an extremely long month for me. And, uh, yeah, it was just on and on. Uh, but this week, uh, if you guys recall, we, a couple of episodes ago, we gave each other challenges, (laughs) like fandom challenges (laughs) to get into fandoms, uh, that we all, uh, enjoy. Um, it was courtesy of, um, Mickey's suggestion, my friend Mickey. Yeah, um, so that is, that's awesome. We have all completed our challenges, and we're going to be discussing them today. But first, as always, we're going to start off with our current obsession. So, SM, what is your current obsession? Okay, so I have a lot of things that I have gone into since uh, our last podcast, and trying to pick one makes it difficult. So I'm going to pick um, the app that enables me to uh, obsess with several different obsessions. Um, it's this app. Also, my friend Mickey suggested it to me because this is the app that she listens to our podcast on. It's called Podcast Addict. And um, I don't really, I haven't really listened to a lot of podcasts, honestly, um, until a few months ago. Um, we mostly just, you know, we did our podcast and um, occasionally I would listen to others, but not like a uh you know a regular thing and i didn't have any apps and i didn't have experience with any of the apps but she suggested this one and i just love it it's really easy to find different podcasts on pretty much any topic that you want and today i just discovered the uh there's the speed feature um so you can you can toggle the speed and so you can listen to your podcasts at, you know, 1.1 speed, 1.2 speed. You could probably listen to it, you know, at five times speed, but it, you know, would be unintelligible. But um, there's a particular podcast that I listened, that I've been listening to. Um, it's actually a Babylon 5 podcast uh, where they go through the entire, uh, the entire series with two people who've seen it before and two people who haven't seen it before. And the, uh, the the fans get to introduce the whole thing to the newbies and the newbies get to make predictions and it's the kind of show that like it was a laid out five-year arc so like things are planted very early on and some things the newbies catch on to and some things they don't but they some of the the hosts speak very slowly they have these great accents but they they speak very slowly so like it just each episode is fairly long just because of the speed of uh of the, uh, that they talk at and so once i toggled the speed up to like 1.5 you know it just goes by really really quickly and i can still understand everything they're saying because they don't talk very quickly in you know real time so this is like my favorite new thing and yeah so i've been listening to i'm like halfway through the second season of babylon 5 i'm not watching the show along with it i'm just listening and remembering the, the show um yeah, and that's one of the podcasts that I've been listening to on this app. I've also been listening to the West Wing Weekly. I have many thoughts on that, but I don't want to uh, hog the obsession spotlight. So um, I'll wrap it up there. Um, yeah, that's really interesting to me because every so often I accidentally press the one, like the, the increased speed button on my, you know, normal podcast player, which is the Apple one, which sucks. Um, but I'm like, I'm so used to it that I don't want you to use try else. one yeah maybe <laughs> but like I, for me like part of the draw of a podcast is how long it is because I'm like I can just zone out and listen to this podcast and play Candy Crush for like an hour and like that's okay so yes, to me God, like no I hate up. that so, uh, so yeah, like, that is my happy like place. when the podcast is two hours and you're like I you know my commute is about an hour you know and you're like Ugh, I don't want to, you know, stop in the middle of a of the podcast on my commute. I want it to, you know, be more or less the same time, and then then you speed it up, and then it, you know, it takes so much less time, and it you just 
feel so much more accomplished because you're going through it, especially when it's a show like this that is going to be going on forever. And I just know it's going to take me forever to get through it and to catch up, if I, especially if I listen at normal speed. Interesting. So I have a confession. So uh, aside from not really listening to that many podcasts now because I don't commute anymore, but I watch TV shows on double speed. Why? Oh, I have How? To do that too. <laughs> there's a there's a speed add-on for Google Chrome. Um, like I can I do it for pretty much everything, um, and it's not like every show I watch double speed, but like I don't always want to sit through a really draggy episode of something. Or, like, I watch a lot of music videos, and after the first watch, usually I have to, like, analyze them a little bit. But it, there's no, but, like, I already heard the song. I don't need to necessarily listen to it a hundred times while I watch this music video. So if I put it on double the speed, I can see the visuals and what's going on a lot faster. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's called, mm, what is it called? Hold on. It's a really easy add-on, too. Video Speed Controller on Google Chrome. You just like press S and D for slow and 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 dec- for fast and slower, and it's really great, and I really like it. Interesting, yeah. No, so I want every single second of my of my my podcasts, my TV shows. <laughs> like, I edit this on one and a half speed. Just that's, I'm, no, that's smart because that's that's like getting it done. But for me, like it's not like it's not like I have to listen to the podcast. Like I'm enjoying it, and I'm sad when it's over. So. That's actually, that's a good segue into my uh, obsession, which is just kind of like the general umbrella of politics podcasts, um, which have really been an obsession of mine for a while, ever since my brother was like, it was the summer of 2016, and he was like, you should listen to the 538 Politics Podcast. And I was like, I don't want to, but then something crazy happened that week, and I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll check out what they're saying. And uh, and, and since then, I've, I've kind of been hooked, so I listen to... 538 and Pod Save America and NPR, multiple NPR shows, and every so often I check out Commentary Magazine and the Atlantic podcast. And it's it's kind of like it's gotten to a point where sometimes I have to be like, oh right, I also want to listen to something about Star Wars. Like I I want that in my ears as well because I always want to have a podcast going. So it's like if I finish all my politics podcasts, I have to like stop myself from searching for more politics and be like, I have other interests and they are here. (laughs) So, um, yeah. I have a good astronomy podcast and they have amazing accents because it's done by astronomers, actual scientists all over the world. And not most of them are not American and they have fabulous accents. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. I listened to that one. 1.3 1.3 speed because they're not talking quite so slow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but so if you're into politics, then politics podcasts are, are are a blessing. And it is kind of weird to me because I used to listen to like Sean Hannity with my mother on the radio when we were driving places. And this was quite a long time ago. And it it really is very similar to that, except that it's liberal and it's on a podcast instead of the radio. So it's it's really interesting to see how that kind of like audio format has shifted uh, toward a liberal space in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, you know, some conservative ones as well, if that is more up your alley. Um, so Tamar, do you have a current obsession for this week? I do, I do. It is a Korean TV show, but it might be one that I think some some of our listeners might actually be interested in. Um, it's on Netflix, and I think on Netflix it's called Strong Woman Bong Soon, which is the character's name. Um, well, um, so the show is about like this girl. She's not very smart. She her brother's her twin brother is a doctor, and she's always been the less smart one. And then like you find out quite early on, I mean, it's the entire premise of the show, that she has superhuman strength. Um, but she's like this really short little 20-something, not doing anything with her life, but she's secretly a superhero, but she doesn't, like, act like a superhero. And pretty much nobody knows that she is superhuman, except that it's like this whole thing that it runs in her family, that all the women in her family have superhuman strength. And if they do something good with it, they keep their strength. But if they hurt anybody, even if it's by accident then they like lose their powers. So her mother lost her powers because she used her abilities for evil. She um, was an Olympian 
like used her weight, her power to be a, like an Olympian weightlifter. And then she got jealous of someone flirting with her boyfriend and beat her up. So she lost her powers that way. Um, so like this character is like in all these funny situations. And then like at the end of the first episode, you find out that there's somebody kidnapping women from the neighborhood she lives in. And pretty much she ends up getting involved in this like kind of kidnapping murder mystery while also having to like keep her powers under control and whatever. And it's like very like cute and cheesy, but I, I, it's very rare to see like superheroes in Korean dramas. So I like, honestly, I thought this was actually, <laughs> I didn't know this was like at all a sci-fi fantasy series going in. And so like, while I was watching the first episode, I was super confused because I thought it was about something else. Um, but it's just like a really cute little fun show about like, I, I guess essentially like how do mutants blend in with other people? Like she literally has convinced her best friends that like she's this meek little four foot 11 girl <laughs> when really she can like lift buildings and stuff. And it's quite funny and quite entertaining um, and gets quite serious at some points, but I really like it. And her, her goal in life isn't like to use her powers for good or anything, but it's to create a, uh, video game hero so there's like some stuff about like video games and stuff and it's just like very much and like an ode to like superheroes and video games and everything and it's just a fun little tv show that sounds really that sounds cute, really cute. Yeah. it's so cute we both said the exact same thing <laughs> <laughs> it must be really really cute that's how you know uh no but that's cool it's really cool to see other cultures kind of take on the hero i you know because that's like superheroes are I feel like such an American invention that it's that's really cool an Israeli superhero would be cool I'm sure there is one yes no but like but like a like a comic (laughs) about an Israeli like a specifically Israeli hero I don't know it probably exists listeners let me know if you if you know what I'm what I'm talking about that I don't know what I'm talking about Anyway, uh, that's that's it for our obsessions, but we're gonna get now into the uh, <laughs> the arena of our challenges. So um, I guess I I'll start with my first challenge, which was um, to read Cordelia's Honor by Lois McMaster Bujold, which is uh, one book in the very sprawling Vorkosigan saga. Um, and this was SM's challenge to me, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, Tamar also. Right, it was kind of a dual thing, it, but yeah. I, I don't rem- I don't think that that did Tamar. What did Tamar challenge you to bake off to do? Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I I sat down and, and to to read this book, and I had absolutely no idea what I was expecting in for. Um. I think I mentioned on another podcast that the cover is like hilariously eighties, and like the whole book, like it felt like the Stranger Things theme song should be playing while I was reading it. Um, and I think I came away, like, I'm, I'm really glad I read it because I think I came away, first of all, having some idea of what you guys are talking about when you talk about the four codes against Sokka, not the whole thing, but obviously a, a, a little bit of it, but also it, it, it kind of reminded me why I like, why I lean toward fantasy as opposed to science fiction, because this was, a really interesting combination of sci-fi and, and sort of fantasy elements um, in that, or I guess the way I would perceive fantasy elements in that there were a lot of emotional, there was a lot of emotional storytelling going on um, and the writing was, was very good and, and it was like a very um, effectively told story. But what kept thro- throwing me off was how clinical it was um, and I don't know if the, if her other books are like this, but like, so you're in most of the time the, the main character Cordelia's head, and she she will just like analyze every single thing that's going on, even when she's at like the most emotionally harrowing parts of her existence, um, you know. And like at at some point, she thinks that something might have happened to her unborn child, and she goes, "Can it cross the placental barrier?" And I'm like. That's an interesting way of putting it. Well, she's a scientist. <laughs> she's a scientist, absolutely. It's totally in character, and it's totally totally fits with the world and the whole like the planet she comes from versus the planet that um, that her husband comes from. It totally makes sense. But it was really interesting for me to kind of dive into that and and again, like I 
I really get why you guys like it because it's a very well built, very well written, um, very well characterized world. Um, and, and funny. And funny, yes, and funny too. Um, and also kind of charmingly um, dated in certain ways where like, you know, it, like um, the uh, planet of Bariar seemed very Russian to me and like very much inspired by like the Soviet Union, um, which is, hey, coming back into relevance, hooray. But, but whereas, you know, Beta Colony seemed like a, a, a super, like an uber liberal, you know, socialist country where they or planet where they can't you know they're not allowed to have babies whenever they want but at the same time they also have like a ridiculous amount of like sexual freedom and and it it was all really interesting to me but yeah the the tone of it was very jarring and I'm not sure that I personally like the tone do do you guys Mm. know what I'm talking about I'm not sure, but I can tell you that the rest of the series, most of the rest of the series is, is very different in the sense that um, Cordelia is being seen from the outside in mm-hmm. all of the other books because none of, until like, I think the most, most recent book was went back into Cordelia's viewpoint, but she's like 70 years old at this point. Um, but all of the other ones are told by other characters and you get to see Cordelia is treated as this person who has like this immense analytical ability and everybody goes to her for advice because she's able to, you know, break things down very, you know, dispassionately and helpfully and, you know, help people, you know, get perspective on things. Um, Whereas Miles I don't know. He does. He, you know, he'll sometimes break things down, but for the most part, Miles is very much a Gryffindor, and he just dives right in. So, um, yeah. I so I don't know if that is something that would bother you in the rest of the series, um, or you know, or if it was just specifically Cordelia's viewpoint. Um, I do think that like there are probably similarities in you know, in her style and her tone that go across, you know, all her characters and all the viewpoints, but they are distinct from each other. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I, and I, it was interesting for me also, like, kind of picking out names that you guys had mentioned. Um, so, like, Gregor, and I was like, oh, that cute little baby oh, that you guys are in He's love with. five. <laughs> oh, I love Gregor. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah, this was not his best book because I was <laughs> only five. No, and understandably uh, so. Whenever I, I'm not like a huge sci-fi sci-fi person, so this is like a good mix for me. That's like a sci-fi book that's written with a fantasy approach in a way, and I I do feel that that continues throughout the entire series because like if you just switch the words like machine like gun for wand or something, like it could be like a fantasy novel um, in the way that it's told. Uh, in the series Neuron Disruptor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Neuron Disruptor. Um, so, all oh, the neuro- Oh, I forgot that happened. Oh, that was so sad. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a lot of very violent stuff happens in, in, the, in the... Yeah. This, the series is quite graphic in, yeah. in many ways. Well, there's, the, there's a part... I remember when my father was rereading Cordelia's Honor. Um, at one point, he, like, <laughs> looks up from the book and he's like, I forgot how graphic this part was when like she's at one point she's held captive um yes that's what and she's being it's i don't know she wasn't really being interrogated she was just one of the 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 commander is just sadistic and he's just you know well she's nearly raped um, like very very yeah she's very nearly raped and um i i still struggle with that that particular character um oh my god what's his name yeah yes verucher yeah yeah no, 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 not him. Uh, he, he's, he's crazy. Um, I'm talking about uh, the lieutenant. Bathari? Yeah, Bathari. Bathari, very, very messed up character. Yeah. yeah. Um, Are you going to yeah. read any more? I don't know. I, like, I don't feel particularly compelled to, but, but like, I really, I want to note, like, not in a way of, like, I didn't enjoy this book or I hated this book or, or in anything like that. More of, like, the... I'm glad I got a taste of this world and I kind of feel like that's all I need, but I w- wouldn't rule it out. It's all, obviously it's a lot more inviting now that I have like a foothold because when I was like starting Cordelia's Honor, I was like, 
where am I? <laughs> I do not know what is going on We're on this planet, but there's bad people, but they're not bad people, but she's falling in love with the bad guy. What's going on? He asked her to marry her on page 80. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> it's the craziest thing. I think I actually, yeah, like, exclaimed. Because he yeah. comes into her room, and, like, she's basically a prisoner, and he's like, so, how would you like to become Lady Rokos again? And she's like, hmm, that sounds interesting. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, it, it's interesting also the way she handles the romance because it is a very, that's why it's such a, a, a unique combination because it it is extremely clinical and sci-fi in those ways, but also has a, a very heavy romantic um, and, and intense and, and fully fleshed romantic story to it. Um, more than one romantic story, actually. And um, yeah, it, and it, it is also interesting, I think, to to read it now and be like, oh, these things are still social issues, like with uterine replicators and, you know, terminating pregnancies and, and all of that kind of thing. It, it was very interesting to read, and I guess it was late 2017 when I read it. But um, I, 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 I enjoyed reading it, and I'm, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I read it. Yeah, and one of the, the main characters, I mean, they don't go into much detail, but, like, uh, one of the main characters is canonically bisexual, which is... Fairly unusual, I think, you know, at the time to have a major bisexual lead character. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting thing, too, where, where, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if people would like this now because, uh, I guess one of the bad guys, like, throws that in Cordelia's face, like, oh, he's bisexual. She's like, he was bisexual. And, you know. I don't think that's the language that people well, like to like, was bisexual, now he's monogamous, as yeah. those, those are ex- mutually exclusive terms. Right. Um, yeah, the, the terminology, first... I'm sure, has evolved since then. I mean, just based, I don't want to give any spoilers, but the, the newest book, like, the one that's back to Cordelia, yeah. like, does address that again, and it does, like, kind of put it, of... it puts his sexuality in a, a little bit of a more modern perspective. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and that was, I wasn't, like, not offended or like, anything I was just kind very of like, oh, modern yeah oh interesting okay <laughs> <laughs> like yeah I don't want like I think you if, if anything I would well I guess you can't read with that one without but that one has is like when I realized what was about to happen I was like sitting there for a good few minutes I was like oh that's where this is going oh okay it was like very <laughs> very interesting <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah. think there's a later book, not quite, uh, you know, at the en- at the end of the series where um, where it goes into more detail. But there there is, I think, earlier mentioned in the series where she refers to him as bisexual in present tense. So yeah, mm. cool. Since Michal started with the one that she liked less, I'll start with the one that I like less. Um, so SM had me read the Ball Pen Diaries, Ball Pen Gospels. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I gave it back to her already. Um, I, I kind of want to read the book. I lent it to my sister in the time, giving <laughs> so, it back, and she's um, like, "I love this book." So yeah, so SM asked me, dared me to read Dirk Hayhurst's "The Bullpen Gospels: Major League Dreams and a, of a Minor League Veteran," and uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't enjoy it at all um like at all like getting through it was really really tough for me actually I don't have anything against people who like sports I don't particularly like sports and this book pretty much reinforced everything I ever thought about locker room cult like talk um mm-hmm. the entire thing is about this one guy who is a minor league player and he can never get out of it and it just sounds like the whole everything that takes place is like it's it's not a good professional environment. Like the guys are all sleeping around with each other. They're all super misogynistic because they're only hanging out with guys the whole time. There's a lot of like issues between them. Like it's it's not a healthy description of life. And like he like he tries to progress and discuss like how he ended up like getting out of it to some degree. And I just did not I didn't get why people liked it. Like, I guess if you like baseball and you want to know, like, it's, like, why I would be interested in, like, a book that's about, like, the K-pop trainee culture or something written from someone's, like, a biography. Like, that'd be interesting to me. But it wouldn't probably be interesting to SM. And maybe that's what this is. Like, just, like, I'm really so removed from thinking that this is remotely enjoyable. Like, I wasn't interested in the the behind-the-scenes politics. I had to keep on stopping reading to go look up who this famous baseball coach or player was. Like, it wasn't 
I don't usually mind getting out of my comfort zone, but this was just so beyond my knowledge base that like it wasn't a, a fun experience for me. And I really, I won't say I was hoping to like it because I'm not a liar. Like, <laughs> I was hoping that I, I like SM made it sound like it'd be a really good intro for people who aren't into baseball. Because um, I know I, people who don't know any baseball whatsoever who've read it and enjoyed it. Um, so not me. I yeah, I felt like you know there was enough background given for a lot of the stuff you know, and like it's not just about the baseball aspects; it's about you know his family life and you know and it's just you know it's the pursuit of a of a seemingly impossible dream and you know all of the uh, hurdles that you face along the way and you know is it worth it and do you give up and do you keep going. Um, yeah, and um, like there is a lot of locker room talk, um, but mostly you're laughing at these people and not with them because they're idiots, <laughs> you know. Um, but then they have, you know, they they have their moments of, you know, of actually of actual humanity, you know. So it's, you know, it's it's an interesting, you know, look at at the culture. Um, and like there were, you know, certain anecdotes that like really stuck with me about like, you know, what baseball means to, you know, people who are fans of it. And like this mother brought her son to a game and she's, you know, talking to them and, you know, they're talking to the little kid. And then the mother, you know, starts tearing up and she, you know, takes them aside and she's like, my son was diagnosed with, you know, some form of pediatric cancer and he's dying and he's, you know, he's only three. He doesn't understand what that means. Um, and I don't know how to talk to him about it, you know, but he loves baseball. Can you just, you know, maybe be, you know, really nice to him. And, you know, they take him, you know, into the bullpen, which is where the pitchers um, who aren't pitching, um, where they spend their time their the ball game and they sit, you know, and they, they warm up and whatever. So they take this kid and they, you know, they give him a cap, they give him a ball, you know, and they, you know, just, it's a, it's, you know, it's a really sweet, it's a really sweet, uh, scene. And yeah, I don't know. Like, those are the things that stuck with me, you know, the, the locker room stuff I found, you know, amusing because, you know, it was so silly and so ridiculous. Um, but um, the real stuff that sticks with me also is just like, you know, his his brother is his is his brother is an alcoholic. And like later in the book, you know, he's he tries to make amends um, with Dirk, the narrator. And, you know, it's about the recon- trying to reconcile, you know, just family stuff that doesn't really have anything to do with baseball. But just baseball is his lifeline and it keeps him going. Um, maybe it's maybe it's just because I don't particularly enjoy reading bag- autobiographies in general like mm-hmm. that I didn't enjoy it like I thought a lot of it was hyping himself up while also tearing himself down while not really being I don't know, I, I didn't find him to be the most endearing narrator and that was really I hard know. for me I, I, I liked him because like yeah I mean you have to have some kind of ego to be able to you know, pursue something like this, you know, consistently. Um, but also it's a constant grind and you're constantly being challenged and torn down by the system. So yeah, I liked it. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> well, I mean, I haven't read it, but um, I can, I can, I feel like I can see both sides of what you guys are saying, which is that like, I, I kind of imagine that you, would need some kind of I don't, I don't know about like love for baseball but like maybe interest in baseball <laughs> or like um and <laughs> I don't tomorrow you're not interested in baseball so or like sports in general so like I'm trying to imagine reading a book about like wrestling or something and I'm like I don't care how interesting you tell me this book is I'm probably not going to enjoy it because you I'm would gonna... like it if it's about glow well yes but that's different <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, to me, this is the kind of book that is kind of like low because it's much more about the culture, you know, and the characters behind it rather than, you know, about the sport itself. Right. But like, yeah. Anyway, I, I can see what you're both saying. I mean, I, I watched the, you know, Ken Burns's like 18 hour baseball documentary like, two years in a <laughs> row. So, so um, it might be, you know, more up my alley. But um, yeah, no, that, that's interesting. And, and, for me, also, like, real books are, are a challenge. Like, if it's about something real, I'm, like, a much less likely to enjoy it. Um, but SM... I like my fiction. Yeah. 
Um, oh, Tamar, do you have anything else about uh, about that? Not particularly. I'm sorry I didn't like it. No, it's That's fine. Okay. That was part of this challenge, I think, to uh, expand each other's horizons, tap out the edges, see what we like, what we don't like. Um, SM, so how about you? So I will start with the one that I like less. Um, oh, no. So Michal, <laughs> Michal <laughs> challenged me to read the first two books in... Um, the uh, Queen's Thief series. Um, and I had a tough time with them. I read both of them. Um, she said that, like, you know, I should read one, but, like, you know, really read two. And so I, I read both of them. And I was hoping that the second one would I would enjoy more than the first, but I felt like they both had the same issue for me. And that issue is that the narrator is unreliable in a way that prevents me from getting any feel for the character whatsoever. You know, like the character is lying about basic things and holding back basic things and like hiding the ball on basic things that I need to know in order to feel invested in this character and in this person's story. And like, I can't, you know, I can't care about a character's journey if I don't know where he's starting from and if I don't know what his motivations are. And there are just so many instances in the Queen's Thief books that I've read so far um, where it just feels like in order to preserve the twist at the end, um, the author is withholding so much information that, you know, I I can't get a, a sense of the, the character or the world at all. Um, so uh, so when I read it for the first time, I felt the exact same way as you. And then literally within like the same 24-hour Shabbos, 25-hour Shabbos period, I reread the book, which I've never done, ever. And not not ever reread a book, never in, 25, in the same like sitting session. And I went back because I know... Like Michal had hyped it up and a lot of other friends had really liked that one. And I was like, is is like the writer was it Michal? Someone told me like really every every word counts. And I was like, oh, okay, no, like it was just a twist. But then I reread it and like literally everything really does count. And he was telling you certain things, but like it was so he was, he was telling you in very vague ways. I went back and I reread certain sections and I was like, this this still, this still doesn't work. He was using, yeah. I mean, like he was being unreliable on purpose. Yeah, um, but, like, also just, like, unreliable by omission. Like, there's a point where he's beaten for stealing something, you know? And, like, um, he doesn't say if he stole it or not, you know? And that's kind of crucial information because, like, you can't feel sympathy for the character necessarily if you don't know if he committed the actual crime that he's being punished for. Um And there was really no reason for him to hold back that information, Um it just created more confusion. And because the fact that you don't know if he stole it or not, you don't know if you should be looking for a different thief. And like, in reality, it was a different thief. And that other thief is, you know, another major twist that they were, that she was hiding, you know, but like she was holding back the pieces, you know, so that you couldn't, so that you couldn't figure it out, you know, and I don't think that you need to do that when you have a good enough mystery and you have good enough characters. I don't think you need to withhold the information um, to that degree. So, I mean, I think, I think a lot of the information comes out in the later books, but I'll let Michal talk more about this because this is her, her dare. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I, mean no, I, 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 I don't like, I don't blame USM. I, I, I mean, I blame you. Like you can like, or not like whatever you want, obviously. Um, and it's, it's all mm-hmm. really a matter of taste. Um, I think what appeals to me is that I don't really care about the mystery I, at all. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by the layers of character that she is hiding in, in those words that you aren't like, you're not given enough information as the reader because she doesn't care if you have enough information as the reader. She's like, the characters have enough information and they have the, the, the information that they need and they're or they all don't. working or, or they don't. Right. Exactly. Well, Jen always does, but, <laughs> but everybody oh, else no. is like, Step or two uh, behind I don't know. Him. It's like it's also it's hard to tell, you know, when you know if he's you know if he's really in trouble and if you should be worried or if you should not be worried. Like I, you know, like I can't 
you know, get invested in something if I don't have a sense of the real stakes that are going on, you know, and like, if he's got a handle on it, then he's got a handle on it. And if he doesn't have a handle on it, then he doesn't. But like, you never actually know what, you know, what he has a handle on or what he doesn't. And like, sometimes, you know, like, and then it's just like, she throws in, I had a problem with the romance in the second book, because it just, you know, just gets thrown in there. And it's, and then she's just like, both of the characters, you know, suddenly are in love with each other, and it just well, it that's doesn't, kind of the thing. They're, they're sort of in love with each other, but it's mm. also an extremely dark relationship. Like, yeah, it's, and it's just like it says, you know, it's like suddenly they realize they both have, you know, they both have feelings for each other. But like, also he says that, you know, then he throws in like, oh, I've actually been watching, you know, I've been in love with you for like years and years and years, you know, and I'm like, I don't buy it. Nope. (laughs) Like you can, you can, you know, retcon things to some degree, but you can't, you know, just throw that in and expect me to like believe that that was actually, you know, part of the character. I mean, so I, I would, um, I wouldn't have bought, I I don't know. Like that part is not my favorite part. Like I'm, I'm, they're not my favorite couple in, in the series. Um, even though I know like people are like, they love them. Um, but I, again, I don't know, man, I've, I've read these books like six times each, like, and, and each time I find something new and a lot of the time it is about the relationships and it is about like, you know, they'll, they'll just be a reference to something and like, you know, reading times one through five it's like i have no idea what this character is referring to and then times six it's like oh they were referring to the earrings that she was wearing because you could tell that blah 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 i'm like i i mean i, I caught that you know like there was, I, I don't know like maybe i i don't know like i'm sure there are plenty of things that i you know didn't catch but then there are other things that it's like you know maybe i didn't catch them but i didn't really care to catch them because yeah, because, like, if I don't care about the characters, then, it, like, I, I'm not invested in, you know, whatever layers that are trying to be built. Right. And also, I I think also I had an issue with the world building and how it's just very underdeveloped in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, it's only two books, and, you know, I'm, you know, it's totally possible that she develops, you know, more of them but like there are like there are three countries that i've been in in this universe and like mention of a different one um but there are three countries and i don't have a sense of the culture of any of them i just know the names of the leadership you know and i have no sense of you know the culture and the and the motivations of of any of you know and like what it means to be from there you know and what it means you know to have a loyalty to the country you know um rather than just to the to the leadership because the leadership is the only thing i know about um and i don't know anything about the actual countries or universe of the universe um and yeah like maybe she just you know she didn't bother with that in the first couple books and it gets developed later but still like in a fantasy series i feel like that is that is a big gap that i was feeling yeah I mean, so that's totally fair. Like they are, they are. I can't, I can't find the word that I'm looking for. They're like, they're they're short books. You know, they're not like. Yeah. They're very. Yeah, they are sparse in certain ways, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, but and I like, mean, normally, like, I don't care so much about you know the background and the universe but like again if i can't get invested in the characters i'm going to be looking elsewhere for something to hold my interest and like if it's missing elsewhere also you know then there's even less for me to to enjoy i hear you listeners if you've read (laughs) and you want to argue with sm (laughs) no no no, but that's cool that's cool and i appreciate you reading uh the first two um because I, I really do think you get a better sense of what the series is. I was hoping to like to. them. And I do think that, you know, some of the issues were not as big in the second book. But some of them were just the same. And then they introduced the whole new ones, like the romance. So, um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be 
reading the rest of the series, but I'm glad I at least tried it. Um, okay, so my second challenge was from Tamar. Um, I think I might have come out the best of everyone, because I, I, I decently enjoyed both, both of the things that I was challenged. Um, and, uh, and that was to watch a season of The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> and um, so I went to Netflix and I, I looked for The Great British Bake Off. Turns out it's called The Great British Baking Show, which is a dumb title on Netflix. And I didn't, I didn't realize, because they have it listed like seasons one, two, and three, so I did not realize that I was diving into season like five or something of this show. And they, yeah. they don't introduce anything. They're just like, here, bakers, start baking. And I was like, what is going on? Like, who, who are these people and are they real and why are they talking about sponge and what's going on? Um, but I was, uh, I was, I was, I was very addicted very quickly. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's an, I'm like annoyed that I like it so much. I'm actually watching it now cause I was eating some like shawarma for dinner. I rewarded myself with a, a enormous shawarma and, um, didn't I ran out of YouTube videos and I was like I haven't watched Bake Off in a while and I'm talking about it tonight. Let's let's watch some Bake Off. Let's watch some of Bake Off lose their YouTube. lose their brains over eclairs. Um, but yeah, it is extremely watchable and um, I think I said this on Olaf at one point, but that like the the crazy thing about it is how the editing of the show. Um, first of all, it's like great that you get to know all these like adorable British people. It's it's awesome. But the editing of the show is done in such a way with the music and the camera work and whatever that you really start to feel like I've, I've found myself like gripping my table at some point when like time is running out on a challenge and somebody's cake is sliding off the top of their other cake or something like that. And I'm just when the like, ice cream melts. Oh my God, forget the ice cream. The ice cream is like a trauma. It's like, it's, that's a real trauma. Um, and, and and they really make you feel like this is the most important thing that's ever happened in the world. And it's happening right here, right now in this tent. And it has to do with baking. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I very much enjoyed it. Um, and now I'm, I'm glad I know what, like, what, like, that's a bad bake, Mary. And who Mary Berry <laughs> is. <laughs> like, I'm kind of glad I get those in jokes now. Um, yeah. I'm on I'm on the uh the Nadia season. The first two uh, seasons I didn't uh, know who won, so that was fun. Uh, um and then this season I uh I I, I of course I knew about Nadia because everybody knew about Nadia. Um so I know she won she wins, but I, I don't know who uh the like other finalists are. I didn't know that when I yeah, started I watching either. that season. Now you've spoiled you know it for won? everyone. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You know what you know what it was? My aunt, my British aunt, was raving about the show, like when when her season was on and she was like raving about this muslim woman who like was so shy and then she like came from behind and so like the second i saw you know nadia i was like oh okay so that's this season that's what it was (laughs) um yeah um but but it's nice like you know i've I've followed some of the other contestants on twitter i like subscribe to their youtube channels i like i like watching people bake and it's it's kind of fun yeah so the great british sewing bee is like pretty much in this exact same mold except with sewing (laughs) <laughs> um it's amazing and i recommend <laughs> yeah so thank you tamar that was uh like for the first like week or so of this challenge i was not getting anything else done because i was just watching bacon that's what it does <laughs> yes it does it also made me really want to make eclairs and also that um oh man i can't remember what it was called but it was that huge meringue cake that was made like just out of meringues and i was like that would be perfect for Pesach, but it looks like an actual living nightmare to make. Not a baked Alaska. No, it wasn't a baked, baked Alaska. The entire cake was meringue, and then inside was, like, Italian buttercream or something. Well, was that the one where, like, one of them made, like, a ballerina or something? Maybe. Uh, I don't remember. Um, it's got some, like, crazy French name, um, but... And then you like cut into it like a cake. I, I love things that like look like cake but aren't cake. That's that's a thing. <laughs> um, and eclairs. I really want to make shoe pastry. I've never made shoe pastry, and I should try and make it. If like, you try, please invite me. Over. Yeah, I will. I mean, I'm gonna have to do it here because in my uh, apartment to be 
the oven is a tiny, yeah. tiny little microwave, basically. So that's, oh, if you want, you can use mine. Yeah, maybe I, I might legit do that because it does not have um, a lot of. Yeah, uh, that's a different topic, though. Um, so tomorrow, what about the second challenge? Which I know what that is. Uh, Michal had me watch the first <laughs> season of Avatar: The Legend of Korra, and okay, here's the thing: because I know how. I don't know how it ended. I know how the last few moments of the show were. It was very weird for me to watch it. Yeah. Um, I, like, don't want to give a spoiler, but I do kind of. I think you um, can spoil this. Like, I know about Kursami. So, like, the whole time I was just like, this is really weird. And that's kind of what the show before I watched it was about to me. Um. So I was kind of confused about what was going on there. I was like, because this is very clearly not about that in the first season. Like, there's no hints no. to that. So <laughs> I was I was kind of confused. Um, it was a lot more, it was a lot less lighthearted than the first Avatar series. So a little bit more my taste because, like, I didn't like Avatar because it was a little bit too juvenile sometimes. Um, there was a lot of, like, nice callbacks to the first series. So that was really nice. I still, like, I watched the whole first series because, like, I was already watching it. And, like, I may, I might eventually get through all of Korra. Like, I watched a few episodes of season two. It's not that long. I just haven't, like, sat down to do it. Um, I enjoyed it. I didn't really like Korra as much as I did the characters in um, Aang's season. Like, I, um, The Last Airbender. Like, I didn't find even the side characters endearing. I found most of them, like, annoying, a little bit obnoxious. Like, Korra, like... I want you to shut up. Like you're like, that's kind of the point is that she's like a hard headed teen. And like, I get that, but I didn't really like her as much as I like, but, and there's a lot of references back to the older series, which I did like. And I liked some of the characters who like were shown that way, but I, I don't know. There was nothing like wrong with it. And I didn't not enjoy it. I just am not running to watch seasons the next few seasons. Um, and people, and I think, was it you, Michal? Somebody told me that season two is, like, the most boring one. I was like, oh. My favorites are, are three and four. That's what everyone said. I'm like, oh, then I have to get through two first. But, you know, it's hard, it's hard to tell because, like, we had been, like, season, two, like, season one of Korra, like, came and everybody kind of went crazy for it, at least in my circles. Um, and, and then the next season didn't air in for like a year and a half, two years later. So the anticipation was incredibly high. And um, and it was also like, again, we were watching it week to week. Um, and, and there was issues with when it, when it, you know, when Nickelodeon aired it. So like there was, there was a lot of extra stuff around it. So I don't know if season two, like if you're just kind of watching it like a normal show, like if it, if it comes across as uh, not thrilling um as i found it but honestly season three and four are really good and um yeah i should have i should have mentioned to you like like throw away the things that you think you know about the show because that doesn't happen until later <laughs> yeah course well, definitely when you not get a... your you know your show information from the internet well yeah i mean that's that's perfectly understandable like i i pro i have like yeah. a million shows like that um that Tumblr I... reality is not right, necessarily exactly. well it I wasn't it wasn't that as much that, like, I didn't, like, I, I didn't care that it was not happening. But at, first of all, I started shipping her with the guy. What's his name? Mako. And, Mako. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's so good. And then, but I was at the same time, I was like, there's not even, like, the groundwork for this here. So I'm a bit, like, thrown off. Um, like, there's nothing wrong with that. I was just, I was just surprised. Yeah. If, if you do watch the rest, it'll be interesting to see. Um, what you think. Um, but I, I think I, I think I mentioned this already. Like, even if you decide you don't want to watch the rest of season two, you should watch the middle two episodes, which are called like the beginning, I think part one and two, because those are like, that goes back to the first avatar and it's a really good story. It's just, it's beautifully animated and it's really, really good. Um, so that, I mean, I, I just think like, even if you don't want to watch Avatar, I think you should just watch those episodes, like people out there because they're, they're a beautiful piece of animated storytelling. Um, but it's funny what you're saying about not liking Korra as much as Aang, because that's a, that's a frequent complaint about the show 
and um, the co-creators, so Mike DiMartino, Brian Konietzko, like have been asked about this a lot, and um, the and Brian, who if you know what they look like, he's the not bald one. Um, he's always like, yeah, well, we actually um, we based Ang's personality on Mike, and we based uh, Cora's personality on me. So it's good to know which one people prefer. Oh no, that's so bad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I mean. It's not that I, I disliked her. It felt that she was a less, like, um, I guess a less likable choice for the Avatar, which is, I think, part of her storyline. But, like, I wasn't, like, you know, like, Aang, I kind of, like, rooted for him because he was so innocent. But for Korra, like, and he wanted to save the world. For Korra, I felt a lot of the time, like, I get that this is your story of how you became, like, how you became the, a great Avatar. But, like, you're already an Avatar. You have been for a while now, like, don't you get your responsibility? But like, I know you're a teen girl, so you don't care about that. Like, it, it feels know. like she has a lot of things handed to her that Aang had to fight really hard for. Yeah, and it's it's very yeah, it's definitely jarring to see her. Uh, don't don't worry, uh, she she gets she gets some pain. <laughs> she gets some pain in, later in the series. Um, but no, it's it's uh, it's totally true, and I think honestly that's something I respect about the show because to make a female character who is not, like, who is your main female character. Like, you could say that Toph in the original series has has a similar, maybe, style personality in terms of being very abrasive. Um, but to make Korra, like, not somebody who is in- instantly likable, I, I, I kind of respect. She's not my favorite part of the show, um, even though I admire her. And season one is that that's the one with the equalists and the whole, you yeah. know, and I'm on. movement. Yeah, I thought that was, you know, a really interesting premise of just the idea that, you know, being being a bender, you know, creates an underclass of non benders. And, you know, it sh- that somehow that, you know, needs to be addressed. I mean, that that very much made sense to me. Yeah, um. no, it made total sense. And it was really interesting to see that you know, kind of thing on it, like a kid's show. I'm like, didn't, you know, it felt like, you know, a, a, I don't know, a, a deeper, you know, concept that isn't necessarily explored on a kid's show. Yeah. So, I mean, I really, sorry. Uh, so yeah, I really did like that. And I thought it was interesting at first, but then I felt like it went on too long. There were some twists that I felt were really obvious, but also really kind of took away from the impact of what they were trying to go for and that could throw kids off because it is a kid's show um but yeah i mean it's not a bad series and i i really understand why people really really like it and i'll probably sit back down and and watch it again sometime in the future maybe on like a flight or something but um yeah it was the writing was good i don't know not much to say about it cool cool all right sm you want to close us out Okay, so my uh, second one was from Tamar, and it was this uh, Korean drama called Healer. Um, And I very much enjoyed it and was sorry when it was over. It was much longer than I actually expected it. I didn't realize that it was going to be, what was it? It was like 20-something episodes. Um, And they're all about like an hour each. So, um, and like because they're it's in Korean, you know, I need to be able to read the subtitles and watch with subtitles. And my general TV watching habits usually involve me watching TV while doing something else, which makes it difficult to catch everything that's going on when you're watching a show with subtitles. So like if I'm, you know, been doing a lot of sewing and I did a lot of sewing while I was watching. Um, and, yeah, and, like, it's not the simplest, you know, show to understand, even if you do catch everything, because there's, like, a lot of, you know, intricate family relationships and politics going on, and, like, even if you are understanding all the words, there's still a lot to process. So, like, I, you know, as I was going, I felt like I was, you know, understanding about 75% of what was happening, but, like, the main things, you know, I felt like I was I was getting the gist of a lot of it, and... Um, the central, you know, idea is, is that there's this, you know, I mean, there's this politics, political, you know, complicated situation that brings, um, that ends up bringing these two characters, um, together, 
um, and they have this, you know, unlikely love story. Also very unhealthy, but like I didn't care because they were so cute. And they were so you know, cute. You just don't <laughs> care. You just don't, I don't care. care. I was like looking at this <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this is really unhealthy. And this is, you know, they both need a lot of therapy, you know? <laughs> um, you know, but I'm like, it gives me hope because if these crazy kids can make it work, then like, why couldn't I? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah, so I enjoyed that. And yeah, it took me a really long time to grasp the family relationships because also I wasn't sure in the beginning if they were being brought together to realize that they had known each other as friends when they were younger or if they were actually siblings. <laughs> but I figured that they weren't going the sibling route when the romance became very obvious and I was like probably not siblings unless this is about them realizing they're siblings and having to you know break off the relationship which would be really really sad and awkward um but it didn't go that it didn't Luke and Leia did it sort of (laughs) but (laughs) not really nothing really got started (laughs) I'm like dying of laughter over here because what you picked out were like the two things that are like the tropiest K drama things. And like when anybody <laughs> who I talk to about about Healer, it's not like what we talk about at all because like the plot is particularly good in this one. And like we're all just so used to like the crazy relationships. And like, of course, they're not gonna actually be siblings, but that's a very common thing. Like, oh, maybe they're long lost siblings. Oh, maybe they are. Um, like those are just so funny if I had understood all of the character relationships as they were being laid out then I wouldn't have had that confusion but because you're not really supposed to like sometimes the the subtitles go by too fast for me to read them all so like (laughs) yeah it's a yeah it's it's a pretty tough plot that like you kind yeah, of have I'm to just, know. Like, I'm trying to think of like, should I try to recap, you know, how all all the pieces are connected? No. And then I'm like, nah, nah, not with it. <laughs> Pretty much democracy and journalism, journalistic freedom and career are a joke. And that's what this is about. Yeah, but something else I noticed and liked I, I would not have gotten the- that actually from what you guys have mentioned so far. That's why I'm <laughs> laughing. Because like, that's why I like it. But like... That's like not at all what I was Oh my god! Because it's her first K drama, so like those are all tropes that like I'm so immured to that like for me that's like of course every K drama is gonna have that. I want the plot of which K dramas that's gonna set it apart, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, one thing that I liked and I found unusual um, that you know in terms of like you pretty much never see this in an American action show. I like the. Uh, the, the music on certain action scenes, you know, it wasn't like this loud kind of rock music or fast or whatever. There was kind of like this light, airy music theme that would play whenever he was, you know, punching out the bad guys. And like, I really liked that contrast between and the action, you know, and it felt very much not an American style thing to do. There were a lot of songs that, you know, were the recurring theme songs with actual words but there was also just this music so actually it's not a particularly popular show in korea it's it it's has like a bit of a following but it when it was airing it was not deemed a popular show and um even though both of those actors are quite popular um the guy got popular in his next series and she was already like not waning in popularity but she had already been in quite a few big shows and this was not considered a hit interesting mm-hmm but I really like it, and I think it's it was on the show. website where I watched it. Um, it was clearly like a lot of people were obsessed. <laughs> it, it has a very big international following, mm-hmm. um, but it and like like it. He got a role in the next series he was in because that one was primarily focused for the Chinese audience rather than Korean one, because he had such a big international following from this show. But the show itself, like. I'm just looking now, like, the highest it was rated nationwide during its time slot was the 20th most watched show. Korea has, like, less than 10 TV stations. <laughs> well, I guess they must have 20 if it's the 20th. But, uh, yeah, there's not so many TV stations and, like, shows airing at the time that are new shows. So um, it 
it wasn't considered a big hit at all. But it's, um, it had some, it actually got some awards at the year end awards, but um, it's more of the plot that was interesting and it got a lot of attention because, uh, like I said, because South Korea has issues with freedom of press and the, there's like an element to it of the, of the democracy movement in Korea. Uh, mm. That's a pretty common theme in Korean dramas and movies. So Yeah. There was a plot, for those who are completely unfamiliar with it, like most people probably are, it was, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of, of drama about corruption in the media and trying to expose it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, but like when you were saying that, like you were sitting there sewing and not paying attention a hundred, I was just sitting, I'm just was like, Oh my gosh. So then she like, doesn't understand it at all because like I needed to pay attention a hundred percent to this show. Like there was so much uh, content coming through at certain points of it at all points, but sometimes you get little cute little hat kisses and that was cute. Yeah, they were very cute. <laughs> but I still I love there was an episode where they have to go to some fancy party and they have to <laughs> you know in order to break in to to ask you know this you know top executive um the question that they want to ask him you know because it's going to be a live press conference and they want to get in in order to you know ask him this question um so that he has to answer on camera um, and like they get all gussied up and like in this fa fancy dress and like they do his hair, you know, like most of the time he has his bangs like down in his face, you know, and then they do his hair all up in like the very classy style, you know, and they just looked fabulous. And I was just like, I just want a show where they just walk around looking glamorous and doing glamorous things all the time. <laughs> it was fun. There are a few came dramas for that if you want more recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so I think we will wrap it up there. Um, I think that was pretty successful. We're, I think we're all still friends, right? I'm not disowning so. any of you yet. Awesome, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and we all really like you listeners because um, uh, two of us recorded this instead of watching The Good Place. So... <laughs> We really like you. Um, and it's, Which I'm about to go tonight. do instead of work. Yeah, I know, right? I really want to do that. We will be back soon with another episode. Um, in the upcoming weeks, we are hopefully going to be speaking to uh, the author of the very popular, among a very certain specific group of people, uh, Harry Potter fan fiction, Goldstein. Uh, so if you have any questions for the author, definitely shoot them over to us. Um... You can get in touch with us on uh, on Twitter at, at Jewish Fangirls, on Facebook, Nice Jewish Fangirls, on email, Nice Jewish Fangirls at gmail.com. And you can also leave us an iTunes review. Um, as for the three of us, Tamar, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me primarily um, at Twitter at Tamar Writes and the same handle on Instagram. And you can read my articles on Billboard and Forbes. And SM. Um, you can find me on uh, Facebook and on Amazon uh, at my author page. And I also run the social media behind uh, my dad's books, which are actually, hopefully by the time this one comes out, his newest book will be released on Amazon. And it's called Morality for Muggles. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got an amazing cover with Hogwarts robes and um, a gold mug and dove necklace and it just it looks fabulous and you should get it <laughs> very nice uh, as for me you can find me on Twitter at Ink As Rain you can like my uh, writing page on Facebook and you can find my writing at hypeable.com uh, I also wanted to remind everybody to check out the other good podcasts on jewishcoffeehouse.com uh, because they are our uh, podcast network and uh, supporting them helps support us so one you might want to check out is the Scott Conversation because his name is Scott Con, and then he turned it into conversation so it's funny get um, it get it get it wink uh, <laughs> they are uh, two uh, of his recent episodes are um, an interview with Melissa Jacobs who is a an Emmy winning producer. I can't read tonight. An Emmy winning producer on Sports Center, uh, and she's a football writer for Sports Illustrated. And she has a website called The Football Girl. And he also spoke to the cast and producers of Soon by You, which 
Uh, again, if you're in a certain subset of people, you definitely know Soon by You, and you probably know the people who are in Soon by You. <laughs> so definitely go to JewishCoffeeHouse.com uh, to check that out along with us. Uh, and one more thing I wanted to mention, if you are interested in attending Jewish Comic Con, which is on April 29th of this year at Con- Congregation Call Israel in Brooklyn, tickets are now on sale. Uh, it is likely that the Nice Jewish Fangirls will be making uh, at least one appearance there, and um, we're, uh, I'm, I'm really excited for it. it. I went the first time, and it was uh, small and plucky uh, and a lot of fun. So that is us. Uh, any other thoughts, guys, before we close it out? No? Don't all answer at once. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. I've been talking for a while. Um, okay. <laughs> so that is it for this episode of Nice Jewish Fangirls. Thank you so much for listening. And again, I was about to say, may the force be with you. <laughs> Live long and prosper, everyone. 